Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you so much for your presence that is tangible in this place. Lord, we pray in these next few moments that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. You've been speaking to us, Lord God, since the the time of prayer this morning and continuing through Minister Hector and again affirmed by my brother Lewis. And Lord, now as we get into your word, I pray that we would be edified, encouraged, comforted, exhorted to serve you and honor you. We pray all these things in Jesus' strong name and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. Just raise your hand, keep it up if you don't have, a, have an outline. I want to be sure that you're able to follow along, take some notes, and uh, hopefully you'll take this beyond the, the, the service here now and you'll meditate on the truths of the scriptures that we are reading and that we are going over. And so uh, just keep your hand up. The, uh, the, the outline will come to you. Um, I want to be sure everybody gets an outline here. There we go. We got it. So in your outline there, you see in the beginning, each of us, we, we were created as image bearers of God. And as such, just as Adam was in need of community, so are we. So we, we see that God the Father creates, God creates Adam in the book of Genesis. And the scripture says everything that God creates, when you go back to Genesis, everything that, God's cre- that God creates is good. Everything is good. But there's one thing that is not good, and it is that man should be alone. And so Adam was, was lonely. He finds himself naming all the animals, and he is lonely. He doesn't find a companion. He doesn't find somebody. You know, he's seeing two giraffes, and he's like, well, they go together. <laughs> he's seeing two, you know, two, two, two rhinoceros or whatever. They, they go together, right? He's, see, he's seeing all of these different rhinoceros. I don't know. Anyway, um, you know what I was talking about. <laughs> See, two rhinos that are going together, they, they go together. I'll go there. We'll go there. We'll go with that. <laughs> he, 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 he sees all these animals, and yet he's by himself, no one to commune with, no one to engage with. He's alone, and God knows this, right? I, hello, God wasn't caught by surprise like, oops, I made a mistake. That isn't what happened. God doesn't make a mistake. God knows. He lets Adam name all these animals so Adam would realize, wait a second, there's something missing. Every, every one of these things that God created has someone to walk with, someone to be fruitful with, someone to live life with, and yet I find myself by myself. I find myself by myself. And so he's there, and he, he needs someone, and so what we realize is that we are created in the image of God. What does this have to do with community? Well, we, have, we believe something as the church. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? We believe in this triune God, and God dwells in community. So when God creates us in his image, he creates us with a need for community. Now, God is the only one who is self-sustaining, amen? He is the only one who, can, who doesn't need anyone else in order to exist, in order to fulfill his purpose and do what he has to do. But we are in need of community. And so, as you continue in your outline, whether we feel it or not, are comfortable with it or not, the fact is God is building a dwelling place for his presence, and that is among his people. And here's what I believe. God cannot dwell tangibly without his family's engagement with one another. We want the tent. What we felt this morning, that was, I don't know, was that good? You felt that that was good? I feel like that. I mean, I don't want to leave, right? Like, I know, I know Minister Hector didn't want to leave. He just was like, yo, we, we felt, and, you know, and, and, and in those moments, I pause and I'm like, man, what is heaven going to be like? What is, what is, I mean, because we got eternity to worship God, so it ain't like we got to go to lunch. Hello. <laughs> like, some of y'all are like, man, I got an appointment to keep. I got Bishop. We don't know, Bishop. You Worship took much longer. How long are you going to keep us here today? I know, I know you were thinking that. In heaven, in heaven, right? <laughs> they're, 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 it's just eternity, right? We're, we're going to worship him. And I, and I understand. I understand. I know the theology, y'all. We, we're not going to be up, you know, sitting on clouds with violins. Hello. That, that, that's, not, that, that's not what's going to happen. We're, we're not going to be transformed into these, into these cherub-looking things that, that I don't see anywhere described in Scripture. We are going to reign on the new, in the new heavens and the new earth with God. However, there will be continual worship of the king throughout that time. 
There will be an, an unhindered presence of God that we will be overwhelmed by his revelation like the, 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 the angels in heaven are who are overwhelmed by his glory. And so I, I sit in those moments and I'm like, man, this, this, this is just a little taste, just a little glimpse of what heaven is like. Just to, just, just, just to experience him just a little bit. But here's the thing. What, what we experience is God tangibly dwelling among his people. God tangibly moving among his people, bringing healing to hearts in the room, but also, as we heard, prayed for us and exhorted, and I hope you heard the word that, that I believe was inspired by the Lord, that we are not only to experience God's tangible presence, but we are supposed to be conduits of God's move. That's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to be conduits of God's move. And so I want you to think about this this morning. God created a family in salvation for dwelling for development and for deployment. God created a family in salvation for dwelling, for development, and for deployment. God has a purpose, but I want you to hear the first part of that statement. God created a family. He didn't, he didn't just save you and I to be individuals that walk with Jesus and once in a while come together with other people who walk with Jesus. No, he created a family when he brought us into salvation. Every time that someone is added to the church, someone your family just got bigger. Amen. Hello. Your, your immediate family just expanded, right, because this is, we are now part of God's family. One of the saddest realities, and listen, I know that I pray for every one of my biological family members, man. I pray that they come to know Jesus. The ones that I pray that they will know the Lord. But here's, here's what I, I don't, I don't know if they will ever bow the knee. So that means I will, if they don't bow the knee to Jesus before they stand before God, then guess what? I'm not going to spend eternity with them. But you know what? Every one of you in this room that has bowed your knee to Jesus, we're going to spend eternity together. As the family of God, serving, worshiping, honoring God in his kingdom. And so again, God created a family in salvation for dwelling, for development, and for deployment. He wants a place where he can dwell. He wants a place where he can move, where he can tangibly come, where he can minister, where he can manifest himself, where his glory can be seen. He wants to, in that context, develop us for his purposes, make us more like Jesus. And he wants to deploy us. He wants to send us out into this world empowered and filled with his spirit. So I'll ask you to repeat this, repeat this after me, please. Say, engaging with God, engaging with God. In, family, in family takes devotion, takes devotion. and you don't have this part, to being, to being his, dwelling. his dwelling. You can write that part down. To being his dwelling. See, you got to take notes right now, immediately. If you don't want anything else down, just write that, add that to that first point. To be, and that's what we're talking about today, engaging with God in our Engaging with God series, engaging with God in family is what we want to talk about today, takes devotion to being his dwelling. And I, the guys in the back, I forgot to give them that edit this morning, so I apologize. But nonetheless, it, it is important for us that we realize the devotion that it takes. Now, I love this text here. So if you look at your Bible, verse 42, you'll see this, and they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly. And then you go down to verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord. So you see these two uh, statements here are utilizing the same word. Something happens. Here's what I want you to hear. If you and I are going to be faithful followers of Christ, then we, we must be submitted to the examples, the commands, and the established practices that we find within the scriptures. Would you agree with that? If we are going to be faithful followers of Christ, we must, we must submit ourselves to the examples, to the commands, and the established practices within the scriptures. Now, here's the thing. While we should surely seek to contextualize our application of the Bible, we must ensure we are not dismissing it. Now, here's what I'm saying. When we read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a historical book. It is a book that God has given us, giving us the history of the birth of the church, of the first 30 years is what the book of Acts covers of the church. And so we see 30 years of church history before any denominations were formed, before any, anything happened other than Jesus dying, rising again, the Holy Spirit coming, the church being birthed, and now this is the example, right, the, the 
the scriptural example of what the church should be about. Now, I believe that when we look at the Bible, there are some things that, that, that don't exactly apply in our context today. One of the things that you'll see here that I think is absolutely impossible in the days in which we live, and I say impossible, it's very difficult to do this, but they met every single day. Now listen, the fact is, if we all lived in the same neighborhood, like in the same cul-de-sac, and we didn't have cars, and everything was right there in that area, it is possible for us to meet every single day. Like if you have neighbors on your block that are Christians, technically, you could meet every single day, right? You could meet to, to praise God. You could meet together to break bread. However, if you live 30 miles from me, come on now. And you work 30 miles from your house, right? If you, if, if you have all that going on, that's, that, that's just not going to be applicable. So in our day today, things are different. Now, does that mean that we just throw a fellowship out completely? Does that mean that we just disregard and we just dismiss what we see in the Scripture? Or do we seek to faithfully apply the text of Scripture? I think we should, we should seek to apply it faithfully. Don't dismiss it. Well, you know, this, I got that, I got this. And all these different reasons, right, why we don't want to apply or abide in the examples that we see or the commands that we see in the Scripture. We need, to, we need to submit to those practices. So here's what I think, right, in the recorded history of the church, think about this for a moment. We believe that all scripture is inspired of God. Amen? Amen? So that means that we believe that what we are reading is inspired by God for us, for every generation from the time that it was penned, it was written for our instruction, right? It was written for our enlightenment. It was written to reveal to us who God is, how God works, what God wills, and what God's purposes are, right? We, we believe this, that this is the inspired word of God. And so it's important that we start at that place, right? I shared with you last week how we need to come to God's word. This is a historical document. However, this is an inspired historical document, this is God speaking the inspiration that is here. And so think about this for a moment. In the recorded history of the church, the first thing that God inspired the writer, which is Luke, to record was what the church engaged in. First thing. You see in the beginning of the book of Acts, you go through chapter 1, he's explaining how they got to the upper room, how they were there waiting on this promise. They were waiting for God to fulfill his promise in the upper room, the beginning of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin speaking in tongues that they didn't know languages, that they, didn't, that they, that they never learned the praises of God. They're worshiping God, praising him. The people that are there are hearing this, and then, you know, they're like, hey, these people must be drunk. Peter goes down, preaches this fiery sermon, this sermon that is extremely bold, extremely confrontational. The scripture tells us, you just go back a couple of verses, he exhorts them how to be saved from the perverse generation that they are and to be baptized in the name of the Lord. 3,000 people are added and the next words are, and they continued steadfastly. After all of the beauty and the excitement of what we see there, all of a sudden there's this thing that doesn't seem so sexy, doesn't seem so exciting. And they continued. They continued. This is very important, though. And they continued steadfastly. Some of your, your translations may say, or they devoted themselves to these particular things. They continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to these things. I, li I like this, though. The New Living Translation, which is a more, not, not so much word-for-word word translation, it is more of a trying to translate the thought. I love what the NLT says. It adds this for clarification. Where it says the words in my Bible, it says, and they, here's what, that, what it says in the, in the NLT. It says, all the believers. All 3,000 people. 3,120 if we're going to be accurate, right? Because there was 120 in the upper room, right? So all 3,120 people did these things. All 3,120 people. Now, it wasn't like there was like half of them did this, right? It, it wasn't like some of them said, man, I really like this, so I'm going to do this. That isn't what it was. The Holy Spirit comes. The church is born. Now, everybody who calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ all of a sudden gets on this program. 
And it's not really a program. It's just that this is what the church is supposed to be about. Again, all believers continue with this. So what is this word continued, steadfast, or devoted to? Right? So the, the, the word, again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down because I really think that it's important. Right? Engaging with, with God and family takes devotion. Right? So this Greek word here, um, prokastereo, is the word. It means this. It means to continue to do something with intense effort. Say intense effort. To continue to do something with intense effort with the possible implication of despite difficulty. So to devote oneself to, to keep on, to persist in it. I want to point out that devotion to being the dwelling place of God, to engaging with God and family, it takes effort. It's something you have to persist in. It's something you have to... Man, Sometimes you just got to, like, shake yourself out of it. Come on now. Right? Like, I mean, Sunday morning sometimes, right? I mean, Sunday morning should be, like, the easy day, right? You, you get up, like, yo, we're going to go worship the Lord. And yet, Sunday morning, so I'm like, yo, man, this bed feels good. <laughs> Come on. Especially when it's cold. Come on, somebody. For those of you that ain't from, like, you know, a northern atmosphere, hello. Here, that cold be like, yo, these blankets feel nice. Yo, babe, let's do this. Nah, babe, you got to preach. Okay, I, amen, I got to get it right. That's my, that, that, that's me, right? I got to get up. But, 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 but you, right, you're here, praise God. Ultimately, right, it's easy. So, I mean, it doesn't matter the day. It doesn't matter the time. You come out of work late and, and you got to go to a prayer meeting. Oh, man, I'm so tired. The Lord, the Lord will understand. Will he now? Oh, I got like three laughs because y'all feel like, oh, okay, okay. Will he, though? Does, does he look at things the way that we look at him, right? And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be condemning, right? I feel y'all, y'all like feel the weight of this. You're like, man, Hector was like talking about our fellowship, and, and then Brother Lou is over here talking about we got to go be missional, and now Bishop, like you, you, you don't even want to say amen to anything because you're like, I don't even, I mean, To be devoted to family, to be devoted to, to do, it takes intense effort. It, listen, sometimes we have got to change our paradigm. We got to change the way we think. Sometimes we have to change our schedules, right? So, I mean, we have to, we have to be intentional. I like that. Intense effort, right? You got like the, the foundational or the foundation for the word intentional, right? Intense. So you've got to be intentional about making this. This is not something that's just going to happen. It's just going to pop up on your schedule. Now, you'll get a text that'll pop up. Hello. Come on now. Jimmy, I've been getting text messages like, man, you, is this coincidental, Bishop? You're preaching that, yeah, you know, it's not, this is by design, glory to God, right? We, we, we want to encourage this, this steadfastness, this devotion to the things that God calls us to. So the question is this. Here's the question. The question is, why would God bring his church to life in the upper room, add to his church through the apostles' preaching, and then inspire the church to this devotion? Why would he do that? Think about it for a moment. Why would he do that? It's him who did it. This, if there's anything that we see is God is building the church that he says he's going to build. There's, there, there's, no, there's no pope involved. There's no bishop involved. There's no elders involved, right? It is God who is inspiring, who is instructing, who is directing, who is leading his church. There's obviously apostles there. There's obviously the 120 that walk with Jesus. But during that time, Jesus was establishing certain practices within those leaders who were going to be part of the, found, the foundation of the church for a reason. Why is this? You can write this down. This is the only way disciples are made. That's it. Simple answer. This is the only way that disciples are made. It's through a devotion. It's through an intense effort. It's through a commitment to certain things that we find in the scriptures. This is life-on-life -life commitment to God's family. That's what it is. That is how disciples are made. That is how this is the only time-tested way that we see disciples who make disciples being made. Listen. If you, if, you look, if you look at the condition of the church today, we have a lot of people that go to church, but we have very few real, real disciples of Jesus. We have many consumers of Christianity, 
We have many people who would sing, we need to move because they need a dab do Hello. They need a touch of the Spirit. They, they, they need to be filled again. And listen, if you're in here, you need to be filled again. He, listen, he was here to fill you. Hello. He was here to breathe fresh wind. He was here to bring strength. He also might have been here to bring repentance. Because sometimes we need a move of God. We want God to move in this way. But it's like, no, 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 my son, my daughter, I love you too much. Just move the way you want. You need to move this way. I need to bring you to this place of repentance. I need you to turn away from your mindset or your thoughts. And so we're here thinking, okay, God, so God inspires this. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, engaging with God, engaging with God. in family, in family. Furthers, furthers our development. Engaging with God and family furthers our development. Again, I go back. Why did God inspire this? Because this is the only way that disciples are made. There's no other way to make disciples. If, listen, listen, listen. If this is the only time that you gather with the body of Christ, you're not growing as a disciple the way that Jesus wants you to. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday's not, not, not the day. It is a very important day. It is, it is a time that we gather to worship our king. It is a day that we collectively as a church, not just us, core faith, but as a church abroad, have set apart a day for us to Sabbath, for us to rest, for us to worship, for us to adore and aggrandize the name of our God. That, that, that's a special day, but man, it's not the only day. It's not, we, we, we are the family of God. Again, imagine this, just imagine this for a moment. Imagine if the only time you saw mom or you saw dad was one day a week for an hour and a half. How well would that family do? Imagine you as a, as a dad, as, as a mom, right? Like you, the only day that, you're, that your kids see you is one day a week, and it's for like two hours, depending on how long the preacher is. Hello. That wouldn't work, right? That, 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 that wouldn't be a fruitful family. You know, you don't have to raise your hand. But, I mean, I think if I ask the question, how many of you wives would be okay with your, your husband only coming home once a week for two hours? Now, husbands, I know you because I'm like you. You could find plenty of things to do all the other time in the week. Hello. However, that listen, even you as a dad, you, you wouldn't be comfortable just coming. You would, right? The family of God, again, has to be committed to being together. The example that we see in the scriptures is a family that is, that, that is, that is engaged with each other. What, what, what we engage in, and this is why this is so important, will determine the fruit of our lives. And here's what I want you to understand. Fun times are great. And have their place. I love to have fun. You know, we went out with the guys a, a few weeks ago, and we were shooting, and we had a great time. You know, some guys bought guns after that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it was a very, very motivating, very encouraging time. We enjoyed ourselves. Listen, I love all that stuff. But our fellowship can't be around going to shoot guns. Our fellowship can't be around. You know, we had a softball team at one time, and that was great. That was fun. And, and honestly, you know, it, it, it brought out some ugly in some of us competitors. Hello. You learn to know what you need to pray for in your brothers, you know. Like, oh, hey, man, let me pray for him right now. Come on, let's have a, give me a gallon of oil, right? Not just a little touch, right? But our fellowship has to be about more than that. Our fellowship has to be about growing together that is rooted in the gospel that brought us together. Our, our fellowship, our, our commitment to growing together has to be rooted in the gospel that brought us together. Listen, you may not like to shoot. You may not like to play softball. You may not like to do anything that I like to do extracurricular. But if you know Jesus, you and I have the thing that matters in common. You and I have the thing that the thing that should bring us together as family. It's not common interest. It's a common faith. 
It is, it is the reality that God died on the cross, rose again for us to bring us into a relationship with him, but also into a committed relationship one to the other. And so we develop in community. I repeat, we develop in community. Are you here? That's what we develop. That's where we grow. I know you thought you were developing in your prayer time. I know you thought you were growing in your, in, in your study of God's word. And I'm not denying that, so don't hear that because that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we develop the way that God intends when we are committed to those things, not just privately, but together. The, 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 the encouragement, right? As I was standing there in worship, I sensed it. I was like, man, there, there's so, God, God wants to speak to us before we move from this point, I was grateful when my brother Lewis began to pray out and cry out to the Lord because I know God is trying to exhort us. But you know what I love more than anything else is that that came out of his time with the Lord before he got together here. And so what should be happening is as I'm with God, as I'm seeking him, as I'm pursuing him individually, I should be being equipped to come together collectively in order to build the church. Hello. That's what should be happening in our lives. And so what do we see here? The first church that turned the world upside down was not perfect. Are you here? You, what, what you do not, and I love this. This is what I love about the Bible, right? I, we shared this last week. We talked about Noah. He does great works for God, and then the next thing he does, after he worships the Lord, he goes and gets drunk. He's naked, makes a fool of himself. God doesn't hide that from the Scriptures. That's not, that, that's not in any way, shape, or form condoning any type of behavior or anything. It's simply showing the truth of what somebody did. And what you're going to find in the book of Acts is as you read through the book of Acts, you will find an imperfect people who got some things right. The one thing that you should notice in the text that you read here is you should see unity and commitment, unity and devotion. They were unified and they were devoted. I encourage you this week, I pray that you will, go home, read over this text, pray over this text, allow God to really fill your heart with what this scripture is communicating and look at all of the beauty that is there, the unity that you see there, the commitment that you see there. And so what do we have? We have a church that was committed, they were, they were unified in their devotion to the right things. They got that correct. See, it's not about being perfect. We just got to get some things correct. We got to get some things right. And one of those things is us being devoted and engaged with God and family. So what were the things? So we see this here, continuing reading in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And verse 47 tells us, oh, I'm sorry, as, as, as you see that devotion there, verses 44 to verse 46, he says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, I want, I want you to know that this is not a picture of communism. Hello. This is not something that was forced on them. This is something that was Holy Spirit-led. They didn't have to sell their belongings. They didn't have to give, but they, were, they, they saw the needs of their brothers and sisters, and they were moved by the Spirit. They were compelled in order to do these things because their hearts were moved. As, but you know what? Their hearts would never be moved if they were hanging out. They didn't have TV back then, but if they were sitting out in front of their TV just chilling by themselves, their heart would have never been moved toward their brothers or sisters. They would have thought life is okay, just everything is all good. Everybody must be sitting in front of a 90-inch TV. Hello. Amazing, right? It's like a whole wall. You guys got excited right there, right? All right, all right, all right, 60-inch. We'll go there. Let's go with the 60-inch, right? More realistic, right? But nonetheless, if we're not together, we don't see the needs of brothers and sisters. Right? We, 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 we don't, we don't, none of that stuff moves our heart. Nonetheless, they're together. They have all these things in common. So what are the things that they had that they were devoted to? What are they devoted to? The first thing is the apostles' doctrine. Again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's the thing we have to understand. Our lives must revolve around something. Our lives must revolve around something. 
either going to revolve around you, your plans, your ideas, your thoughts, or your life is going to revolve around the Word of God. And when our lives revolve around the Word of God, everything must be checked by the Word of God. Everything we engage in as a family, everything we participate in as individuals, everything that we say yes to and the things we say no to, it should be based upon the Word of God, not feelings, not emotion, not tradition. Are you here? It's got to be the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine. Again, looking at the context here, we see that we did not have the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, and so on and so forth. As we, None of those books had been written yet at the time that we see this upper room experience. And so the Apostles, as people, were extremely important to the community that was being developed because what? They had just walked with Jesus for three years, and as they walked with Jesus for three years, Jesus tells them to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have taught you that they would obey it. This is what the apostles were doing. They were being conduits. They were transferring the information they had received from Jesus over three years of teaching. They were bringing it to the people of God here. And so now the apostles' doctrine, they were learning it firsthand, word for word, and they were, but they, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Again, everything must be checked by the word of God. See, what you and I have today is we have what is called the canonized Bible. We have the scriptures that have been accepted as these are the inspired words of God. The, the, these words, these chapters, these books have been tested by uh, inspiration. They've been tested by author. They've been tested by historical accuracy. They've been tested by geographical accuracy. They've been tested by prophetic accuracy. So these words, the reason why these words are here is not because they've passed one part of the test, they passed all the parts of the test. That's what you want in front of you. You don't want a book that just says, you know, this is the gospel of James. Okay, well, it sounds like that could have been one of the gospels that was written. But wait a second, does that pass all of these other tests? you got to ask yourself that question. Well, whatever readings you read, are they inspired words of God? And so, again, these words that we have, we can test our lives by the Scriptures. Fellowship, the second thing that they are committed to. The first one is they, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Konania, the sharing of life, the intimacy that we have. The world was not solely won over by miracles, but their sharing of life, their love for one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, but above all else, having fervent love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Let me ask you a question. Do you need any of your sins forgiven? Do, do, do you need any of your sins forgiven? Not just from God, but how about the people sitting next to you? Hello. <laughs> See, if, if our hearts are not fervent with love, passionate, burning, zealous, that's that word, fervent. If our hearts are not burning with love for one another, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to forgive. We, don't, we, we, don't, we, we can't get past the fences. And so it's important for us that we understand that. Fellowship, Jesus said what? You would be known as my disciples because of what? The love you have for one another. See, 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 the community that was around the, this community of faith, they saw the way these people cared for each other. They were like, man, these, these, these people aren't just word, word, words saying, hey, I love you, but they're selling their stuff and being like, hey, you, you got needs. We want to fill those needs. I mean, people were selling whole plots of land and properties, bringing all, everything to the apostles Pete Barnabas, right? Puts it out there. Hey, as you see needs, meet the needs of the people. That was a community of faith that loved each other. Fellowship, they shared in common. They had everything in common is what the scriptures teach. The next thing that we see here is the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. And so we know that the breaking of bread has to do with communion, right? And so every week we partake of communion in a much smaller scale that is very focused on one thing. But the breaking of bread, the communion that the church partook of was, man, they gathered together and they got down. They gathered together, and they ate meals together. They enjoyed each other's presence. And here's, here's what I think. I think fellowship is probably not happening without breaking of bread. If you're, not, if you're not breaking bread with brothers and sisters, if you're not, you know, I mean, man, at least having some, you know, bread and coffee. I don't know. Hello. Something. I mean, that is breaking bread. Amen. That's, that, that's the epitome. Oh, invite me over today for bread and coffee, please. <sighs> 
But if you're not, if, if you're not, if you're not breaking bread, I mean, are you really having fellowship with people? Are, are you really engaging in life with people? But here's what I want you to know. Breaking bread is not happening if Christ isn't remembered when we do this. And it's not to say that every single time that we sit down, that, that every single time that, 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 that we sit down, we got to break out, you know, a wafer and, and, and some juice and be like, hey, let's. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we have to remember what brought us together. Man, when you pray over that meal, having that moment, God, thank you so much for family. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the opportunity to fellowship. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time together. I mean, that, that, that's what should be occurring. Being a, a reminder that is, that, that, that is there, that, man, we are together because of the Christ who died and rose and brought us together. And the last thing that we see them committed to is prayer. So they were committed to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Listen, it cannot be overstated. Corporate prayer must be a core commitment to any church that will flourish in kingdom growth. I want you to know this. Church equals members. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not just that, hey, core faith or whatever the church's name is. They're committed to prayer. Are the people committed to prayer? Not, 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 just, not just the leaders. Hallelujah. Not just the people that have to pray. No, no, but the church is committed to prayer. The body of Christ is committed to prayer. Corporate prayer has to be a core commitment to any church that is going to flourish. Now, here's my question for you. I want you to think about this. I don't want you to raise your hand. When is the last time outside of Sunday, that you remember yourself praying with the body of Christ. See, the Christians that you meet in the book of Acts were not content to meet once a week for a service as usual. They met daily. They cared daily. They won souls daily. They searched the scriptures daily and increased in number daily. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once-a-week routine. Why? The why is important. Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them. His resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. See, these things that I see in the Scripture here, these four things are things that we must be. These are, not, these are not like holy suggestions. These, these are not like things that you can say, well, I don't have time for that. No, no, no. You need to make time for that. Why? Because the Bible says so. Not because Bishop said so. Not because, not, not, not because the, the weekly order of the, serve, of the church says so. Not because the weekly schedule of the church says so. No, no, no. It, it is because the scriptures say so. The scriptures say that we should be committed to the apostles' doctrine. So the same way that you should be committed to an individual reading of scripture, you should be committed to a collective breaking of the bread of God's word. You should be committed to fellowship, committed to sharing life with others, committed to being in relationship with other brothers and sisters. We should be committed to the breaking of bread, to spending quality time with each other. We should be committed to prayer with the body of Christ. We should be committed to seeking the Lord together. I had a, I had a privilege yesterday of doing a wedding, and it was cold. Let me just tell you, it was freezing outside. And I was in South Florida, too. I wasn't even here. I, I was like, like uh, three hours south of here, and it was still freezing outside. And the bride did us dirty, and she was like 30 minutes late, so we were outside for even longer, hallelujah. So if we have any brides to be in the room, listen, you can be late to any wedding, any day, any time you want. However, hallelujah, if it is freezing outside and you have an outdoor wedding, please have mercy upon your guests. Amen? Amen, amen. 
But as I was, I was there in this, in, in this, in this wedding, I was, I was actually doing something that I've never done before. I've done joint ceremonies, but I've never done joint ceremonies with a Jewish man. And so he wasn't really a rabbi. Um, and and, and, and I, it was my cousin who was getting married, and he asked me to be part of this. And so, you know, if they're watching, you know, praise the Lord. I, you know, I was glad to be able to be there. But as I was standing there talking with this gentleman, he was very passionate about the loss of traditions being passed down from one generation to the next. And I won't get into all of the stories that he was telling, but as he was sharing these stories, you know, I took it as an opportunity to do my best to share the gospel with him and, and share with him that, you know, I love the, the Judeo part of my faith. Because we are, if you don't know, we are Judeo-Christians, right? According to the book of Romans, they are, you know, Israel, they, they are the root and we have been grafted in, right? We are wild branches who have been grafted, so we should be grateful to Israel, right? Jesus was Jewish, if you didn't know, I know you knew that, but anyway. And so, and so, you know, as, as we're sharing, I said, you know, I, I said, I love the Jewish part of my faith. I said, and, and I love reading the scriptures. I said, because the scriptures really are a love story between God and his people. And I, and, and I said, all of the, the traditions that you are talking about, the problem is this, is that we are focused on the what instead of the why. See, it is easy for someone to forget, I said to him, I said, you know, you read the book of Judges, and, I, and you know what you find in the book of Judges is you find that the children of Israel are serving God, and everything is great, and then all of a sudden another generation rises up that doesn't know the Lord. They rebel against God. They're disobedient. They go into bondage, and then God has to do what? Bring a deliverer, right? That's, that, that, that's the story of God's people. And I, I wish I could say that on this side of the cross it's different. It's not. Because we're forgetful people, right? Pastor Aldo said it when he was up here. His, you know, he, he was like, you know, it's easy when we're in the midst of the good times to forget God. In the bad times, we're like, yo, God, where you at? <laughs> Think sometimes like, yo, where you been? Like, 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 where am I at? Where have you been? Walking your own path? Following your own directives? Obeying your own inclinations, following your own mandates for your life, doing things the way you want to do them, and now you're asking me, where am I at? But the fact is, when everything's good, it's easy not to worship him with all of your heart. It's easy to forget about him. But let hell break loose. Let hardships start to come. All of a sudden, you are holier than you have ever been. You are fasting like you have never fasted. You are praying like you have never prayed. You are in your word like you have never been. Listen, you're trying to, you're trying to add services to the church for the week. Hello. <laughs> you're, you're like, hey, can, can, we, can we add another prayer service to this thing? We got one. Of, we want another one, glory to God. Because you want God's attention. You know where your help comes from. You just forgot that's also where your blessings are coming from. See, so, 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 so it's, it's, it's important for us to not just look at the, the what, but the why. Why do we do this? Oh, because Bishop guilted us into this. Oh, because we feel, oh, because everybody's going through this stupid book, and we got to go through this together, and we got to get into a connect, and ah, da, 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 da. And he saw me in the parking lot, and oh, my goodness, we got to pray, and I can't run. You know, I mean, you know, it's... it's I know. Listen, I know y'all, glory to God, because I am y'all. I know all the, listen, at, can, can I, I'm going to confess something to you that you may not want to hear. Every single thing that you feel, I feel too. Every single, listen, every desire not to show up, not to participate, oh, I can always find something else to do. Hello. There's plenty of things that I want to do. So listen, it's not about that. But why do I do it? Well, you're the bishop. You have to. No, that's not why I do it. Because before I was the bishop, before I had to, I did these things. It wasn't about the what. It was about the why. It was about understanding the gospel and that changing my heart. 
my motivation to, to, to say no to these things, it wasn't because someone said, you got to say no to this. It's because of the one who didn't say no to die for me. Everything that we do is because of who he is, because of what he did. We do this because we want to honor the one who died and rose for us. That's what it means to live a gospel-centered life. Living for his glory is living for his honor. Not, not, not the what, the why. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, engaging with God, God. and family, family empowers our development. Engaging with God and family empowers our development or, or, or deployment. I'm sorry. It empowers our deployment. It's not, it's, not just about us, it's not just about us being the dwelling place that comes together and experiences God. It's not just about us growing in character. It's not just about us growing in our faith. And, you know, when we gather, it's not, us, it's not just about us growing in our understanding of truth. It's not just about us being equipped for us to, to learn how to evangelize or learn how to share our faith. But it is about us being deployed. It is about us being deployed into this world. It's about us moving forward. And when we engage with God in family, it empowers our deployment. Verse 43, it says this. It says, then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, the fruit of engagement with God and family is kingdom expansion. See, when we are engaging with God and family the way that he has called us to, the kingdom will be expanded because as you are together, you will, you will inevitably, you should be moved into the mission that God has called you to be on, right? Community transformation is another way that I could say this, or we could say it the way the book of Acts chapter 17 says it. It says they turn the world upside down. They literally turn the, listen, you and I are called to be those who turn our world upside down. Not by our power, not by our might, but by the power of the king. And we are here to encourage each other as we're developed. As we develop into the disciples, Jesus intends us to be. You know what we'll see? We will see the fear of God gripping hearts. You know why? Because as we are being developed together, we begin to fear God. We begin to stand in awe of God. We, listen, you, you need people in your life, just like we saw the video earlier, that, that, that iron sharpens iron, that, that, that man, you know, you, you need some people there that, that see you and be like, man, you're a little crooked. You, you, you're a little off. Not just you, me, hello. I, I, I need you in my life. I, 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 need, I need iron to sharpen me. I haven't arrived, Hello. Just in case you were wondering, none of the leaders here have arrived either. We didn't choose people that had already arrived. We chose people that are on the journey. <laughs> people who are serious, right? We need to be sharpened. We need to be developed. But that is all so that way we can be deployed in the power that God wants. But as we walk in the fear of God, as we walk in the, in the, in the reverence for who God is, what we will begin to see is we will begin to see the same way that the first church did. The fear of God was upon all of those that were there. God was doing something great and mighty, changing people's hearts, changing people's lives. And so what we will begin to see is people fearing God. We'll begin to see lives being turned to the Lord and repentance and faith as we engage in community the way that God wants us to. And here's what I would say as I'm wrapping this up. While we cannot force God's hand into signs and wonders, here's what I know, is I cannot make God heal somebody. I cannot make God do any type of miracle, but what I know is this, is that we can surrender to God's will by doing our part, engaging with God and family, and trusting with the results. See, the only, thing, the, only, the only thing that you and I can do, this is the only, we can look at God, what do you expect of me? What is it that you require of me? You require of me to engage with you with your family. You require of me to be committed to the apostles' doctrine. You require of me to be committed to fellowship. You require of me to be committed to the breaking of bread. You require of me to be committed to prayer and seeking your face collectively with the body of Christ. You require these things of me. You require me to be a witness to those who ask. You require me to be ready to give an answer for the hope that I have to anyone who asks me. You require me to do these things. 
And so, Lord, I can't make you do anything. All I can do is commit to what you've called me to be committed to. And so here's my closing question. Are you engaged with God and family? Are you engaged with God and family the way that he would, he would intend, the way that he would ask, the way that he, the way that we see here? Think about it for a moment. Just bow your heads right where you are. Are you committed to being with your brothers and sisters in God's word? Are you committed to being with your brothers and sisters in fellowship? Are you committed to being with your brothers and sisters breaking bread? Are you committed to praying collectively with the body of Christ? And if you say, man, my schedule is too heavy, let's pray about that schedule. I got too much going on. Let's think about that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you to obey me. I'm asking you to obey the scriptures. I want us to be faithful to the one who is faithful to us. I'm asking you to all stand with me, please. And you, 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 you may be in here and you have reasons why you're not engaged with the family of God. But let's lay that all before the Lord today. Let's seek to be a faithful church. Grab your neighbor's hand if you would and let's all pray. Let's pray one for the other. Let's pray that the spirit of God would give us strength to be committed to what he calls us to be committed to. You might be praying for somebody who has some brokenness in their heart. And you can be that vessel that, that prays healing over their heart in this moment. So, Father, we humble ourselves before you in this moment, God, and we thank you. We thank you, God, for loving us. We thank you, God, for your delivering power. We thank you, God, for your healing power. We thank you, God. For the commands that are high, for the commands that are hard to attain, we thank you, God, for those things. And we do pray, Lord God, that you would give us the strength to obey. Give us the wisdom to obey. Father, show us what is hindering us from obeying you in this area of engaging with you and family, God. Father, if there's brokenness in hearts, if there, is, if there are hurts that are there that are hindering that engagement, Lord God, would you heal that right now in Jesus' name? Would you break down the walls? Would you break down the barriers? Would you remove the obstacles? Father, if we just have excuses before you, Lord, I pray that you would confront us in your great love and not leave us to our own devices, but that you would draw us nearer to you. I pray above all things, Lord God, that you would make yourself known to my brothers and sisters, that you strengthen us as we seek to obey you and honor you in walking according to your word and your will, God. We thank you for this, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Can you give God a hand of praise? He is worthy of glory.